0: Please open your Bibles with me to the Apostles' Epistle to the Romans. We're returning to Romans chapter 13 in our study. Uh, Last week we looked here at what Paul writes there in verse 10. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. That that is, it does not act unseemly in an ugly way to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I came across this good definition for, for what love is. Love wishes to bestow the best it can on the object of its affection for good. You see, that's what love desires to do. And indeed, with respect to God's people, his love always accomplishes good for his people. The psalmist writes, They that seek the Lord shall not want anything good. Beloved, God is able to supply every want. And if anything is withheld, it's always certain that's not because God couldn't grant it, but rather because he sees some good reasons why it should not be granted. The real good what we most need will most what will most benefit us will be bestowed on us, and, and indeed, universally it may be said of all the children of God that everything in this world and the next that will be granted shall really be for their good. You see, beloved, we are often not the best judges of what will be for our own good. But God is an infallible judge in this matter, and he will certainly bestow what is best for his people. And while we most certainly know that God is supremely to be thanked for all things, we thank him especially for his love he shed abroad in our hearts. And we know the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. So you see, beloved, We are to love God and we are to love one another. Now, if you would keep your place there in Romans chapter 13 and turn to Matthew's gospel and look at this answer the Lord gives to one of the Pharisees there in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. I suppose they thought, well, he silenced the Sadducees, but we'll show him. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And here's what our Lord Jesus said unto him. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. You see, beloved, that's what the law of God demands. And at that, complete, absolute perfection all the time. Our Lord continues, verse 38. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so this reveals unto us what the law of God requires. We are to love God and to love one another. And at that, not according to our own sorry standard, but rather according to God's standard, perfection. And if we don't supply what the law of God requires, well, the consequence of that is eternal death. Now, admittedly, I confess, and I pray you do as well, beloved, We have not kept one law one time. You see, we're all guilty before God to be sure we've broken all the law of God all the time because we're sinners. And all a sinner can do is sin. That's all we can do. Now, where does that leave all men? Where does that leave all of us being found outside of Christ by nature? Condemned. You see, the law of God was never given to save us. It was never given to put away our sin. No, no. Rather, the law of God was given to show us that we are guilty before God. And, beloved, what the holy law of God demands, the Lord Jesus Christ has fulfilled for us as he represents us before God. My friend, if the Lord has ever taught you that, you can give thanks unto the Lord together with us. I say that that your joy may be full, that you may also have fellowship with us. Remember in Matthew 5, the Lord said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. You see, he came to honor the law. And indeed, he's the only one who loved God perfectly in mind, heart, and soul all the time. He's the only one that perfectly obeyed God all the time. He is the God-man mediator who had no sin, who knew no sin, who did no sin. He went about to establish every precept of the holy law of God in his life and satisfied the penalty of that law in his death. Remember what we read there in Romans chapter 5, verse 19? We saw this earlier in our study. It's always good to go back and review And Paul writes in Romans 5, verse 19, For as one man's disobedience, by Adam's rebellion, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, by Christ's perfect righteousness, shall many be made righteous. Beloved, that's our hope. You see, God doesn't lower what his law demands in order to save us. God will not do that. But what we learn in the gospel is what Christ has done for us, His people. Through His doing and dying, He has not only washed us throughly and completely of all our sins, but much more, beloved, we have been clothed in the very righteousness of God Himself. I love the way the Apostle remarks on that. Saved to the uttermost. <laughs> Saved to the uttermost. You see... Because of the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He honored the law of God for us, beloved, He enabled our Heavenly Father to be just and save, to be a just God and Savior, to enable Him to be just and the justifier of those who believe on His Son, indeed, those who are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's uh, go back to Romans chapter 13 and look there with me verse 11. And having said that, knowing the time that now... That word now, what time is it? It's always now, is it not? Beloved, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Beloved, as creatures of time being subject to time, we're always wondering, is it time to get up? Is it time to go to bed? Time to go to work? Is it time to go home from work? Or is this a good time to do that? Or to do this? You see, we're all subject to time. But here the Apostle is speaking about something that every believer needs to be aware of. Knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep Let us not be sleepy in the matter of salvation or lazy in the matter of our salvation. No, no. Rather, let us be zealous, earnest, and fervent in spirit. For now, beloved, is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And so, knowing the time, let us redeem the time. Let us use every day the Lord has given unto us to to promote and spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to tell others of the salvation that he has accomplished for us. David sets forth in Psalm 118, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And so, beloved, let us be about our master's business. For you see, all of us, beloved, every believer is in this ministry. And so knowing the time, the brevity of this time state, it is high time to awake out of sleep now just uh, an aside i don't have this this reference in my notes but i love to emphasize that this is not my ministry <laughs> it's not your ministry it's the lord's ministry it's this ministry and if you look there with me I, if i'm not mistaken it's in corinthians and I, I'll, withhold, <clears throat> I'll withhold second or first for uh, suspense. <laughs> when I find it, I'll tell you. 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1. Beloved, therefore seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. <laughs> he keeps us, beloved. We don't keep ourselves. And I understand the theology, you know, the, the theology uh, of the word perseverance, you know, perseverance of the saints. But I'd rather much remind both you in the, in the pew and myself behind this pulpit is that we're kept by the power of God. And you see that in first, period, first Peter, chapter one. And you just meditate on that for a little while, beloved. Think about how our Lord and God Jesus Christ has received all power in heaven and earth—not some power, all power—and we're kept by that power, beloved. And it says in First Peter chapter one, verse five. And this is speaking in the context. You'll see that in verse two, it's speaking about the elect of God. That is who are kept. <clears throat> in verse 5, the elect of God, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's through the, the faithfulness, the uprightness of our never-failing Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see here in Romans chapter 13, the apostle setting forth, the brevity of this time state, the urgency of this matter concerning the gospel. I mean, if we live another five years, what's five years? Five years goes by in the blink of an eye, just like that. The time we have here is but a short, brief time, and most certainly just as just a hand's breath compared to eternity. The psalmist writes, actually, why don't you look there with me, Psalm 39, verse 5, the psalmist writes there, Behold, thou hast made my days as in hand handbreadth. Now, if you just look up here for a moment, a handbreadth is just the span of my palm, I believe. There it is, handbreadth. That's how brief life is, handbreadth. It's just a short time. And mine age as nothing before thee. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. In Ephesians chapter five, verse fourteen, the apostle writes, Awake thou that sleepest, awake, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Beloved, whatever you're doing, do it circumspectly, exactly, diligently, excellently, not as fools, but as wise. And then verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then in Colossians chapter 4, Verse 5, we read Paul writing, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Beloved, make the most of the time, make the most of the day that you have. David says there in Psalm 31, Lord, mine times are in thy hand. I'm so glad they are. What comfort, what comfort that gives us. Indeed, what comfort he gives us to know that. Our times are in his hands, beloved. And then in Psalm 90, David prays, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply hearts unto wisdom. You see, my friend, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, now. Today is the day of salvation, or as the apostle writes in our portion this evening. Our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Beloved, each day, each day, we are one day closer to being forever with our Lord Jesus Christ, one day closer to our eternal destiny, predestinated of God. We are one day nearer to our final and total deliverance, our total and complete salvation. You see, beloved, we have been delivered from the guilt of sin, have we not? being dead indeed unto sin. And so likewise, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. We've been delivered from the guilt of sin. We've also been delivered from the power of sin to condemn us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day soon, beloved, we shall be delivered from the very presence of sin. And so our, our eternal glorification with the Lord Jesus Christ is much closer, is it not? Beloved, our salvation is nearer, one day closer than we first believed. We're one day closer to home. One day soon, beloved believing sinner. One day soon, beloved believing sinner. We shall lay aside the body of the sinful flesh and depart to be with the Lord, to be in his e- eternal presence. And second Corinthians chapter five, the apostle writes there, beginning in verse eight. And he's writing to God's beloved people. And he writes, Beloved, we are confident. We are confident. This is Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eight. Beloved, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. And that's what happens at death. There's a separation of our eternal soul and spirit from our body of flesh. And so we are confident and willing to be absent from this, um, for lack of a better word, this uh, earth suit. That's all it is, beloved. (laughs) It's going to go under the ground. But we're going to get a new earth (laughs) suit, a new body and then to be present with the Lord. And so, beloved, let us therefore redeem the time. Now hold your place uh, there, and let's look again at the, the, the departing testimony of the, the Apostle Paul. We're going to come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so if you just hold your place there, we'll, we'll take a look at that again. But I, I want you to look at this departing testimony of the apostle Paul, as he sits on death row, waiting execution for the gospel. You know the Lord gave him those last two years of his life to preach the gospel in prison, and in Second Timothy chapter four, and beginning in verse six. He, he writes this to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Timothy, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. And you see, beloved, it's an appointed time. Man's days are numbered. The number of his days are with the Lord. It's it's appointed unto man once to die. And you are either judged not guilty, being found in Christ, or guilty, being found in your own sin. And so Paul writes, the time of my departure is at hand. Notice he doesn't say the time of his death, although he is talking about that. He's talking about dying and departing to be with the Lord. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm ready to depart and to be with the Lord. So, beloved, let us redeem the time. Our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Now look at Romans uh, chapter 13. Let's return there. Look at Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 12. The apostle writes there in Romans chapter 13. Verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, the works of idolatry, the works of trusting ourselves. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, things like legalism and self-righteousness, and let us put on the armor of light, the armor of Christ. The night is far spent. This present life is full of darkness, death, disease, and destruction. But soon the believer will be delivered from such things. Remember what David said in Psalm 23? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's where we walk. We walk through this valley of the shadow of death. We see death all around us, we see God's creatures dying constantly. But eternity for the believer is one eternal day of light and worship. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, and here's the day Paul is speaking of. Hold your place and find Revelation chapter 21. And look there with me, beginning in verse 22. John writes there in Revelation chapter 21, verse 22, And I saw no temple therein, for there are no more blood sacrifices, beloved. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. You see, He's our sacrifice. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. No darkness. Just one eternal day of worship. And then across the page, look there in Revelation 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads and there shall be no night there and they need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. (laughs) When we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun isn't that the psalmist penned? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Beloved, he's our light now, and he shall be our light forever. The day is at hand. All right, let, let's look back at our text. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Today is the day of salvation. Now notice the first marginal reference on verse 12. If you have a, a Cambridge King James Bible You'll notice that there's a reference in the, in the margin there on verse 12, the first reference, and it's uh, John chapter 9, verse 4. You, you see that? Well, here's what that verse says. Our Lord declares, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And so, beloved, let us redeem the time. Let us make much of the day. You see, the Lord is speaking there in John chapter 9, verse 4, of how he completely finished the work the Father gave him to accomplish for us in the day that he worked out and accomplished our salvation. Now, the apostle says two things here. And so, Lord enabling, we shall do these two things. First, cast off the works of darkness. That is, anything that's contrary to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be done with it. Cast it away. Cast away any idol, any self-righteousness, any refuge of lies, anything other than Christ. You see, anything other than Christ is darkness. So, cast it off. Cast off the works of darkness. Would you trust darkness for salvation? No, of course not. Would you trust that which God curses? No way. So then, beloved, let us cast off the works of darkness. And then secondly, he says, let us put on the armor of light. And that is speaking about Christ. For he is the armor that he's speaking about here. That's what he's talking about. When you see the word light in Scripture, always think of Christ, who said, I am the light of the world. And so let us cast off the works of darkness. We've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Have we not? That we should show forth the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so, beloved, give thanks unto God. We read in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter one. Beginning there in verse twelve. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In in Christ. We can render it that well that way as well who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Beloved, in Christ our Heavenly Father hath made us partakers. He made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, in Christ, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Beloved, that's what He's done for us. He called us out of darkness. You see, by nature, we love the darkness, not the light. But because He called us, the light of salvation shines in our hearts. And so by His grace and His strength, beloved, we do cast off these works of darkness. And then Paul says, we put on the armor of light. We read in First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 5. Um, if you like, turn there with me. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'll begin reading there in verse 5. Beloved, ye are the children of light, And the children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So, beloved, let us put on the breastplate of faith. And we know faith is the gift of God. The just shall live by faith. And so put on the breastplate of of love. Beloved, we love him because he first loved us. And so put on the helmet, the, the hope of salvation. Indeed, we have a good hope through grace, and let us put on the armor of light. It's called in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 7, the word of truth by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left who is our armor of righteousness well it's none other than the lord jesus christ himself christ is our light christ is our righteousness christ is our all in and in all now let's uh, turn and read this portion in ephesians ephesians chapter 6 beginning in verse 11. The apostle writes there, indeed God's word sets forth in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Beloved, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery of the devil. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood the truth of God's grace. Beloved, Christ is that truth. And so having on the breastplate of righteousness, Christ is called the Lord our righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, beloved, he made peace for us with his own blood. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Now, what is the strength of faith? Do you know? Beloved, it's not having faith in your own faith. Rather, the object of our faith has everything everything to do with Christ and nothing to do with us. You see, saving faith always looks to Christ. And the strength of faith is Christ himself. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Above all... Ephesians 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ, He is our never-failing Savior, who saves us from all our sin, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Both the written Word of God and the living Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, He's the living Word that's quicker and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, all all this relates to Christ and the gospel of His blessed person and finished saving work. So let's cast off everything that's contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of God's grace, and let us rest in Christ our life our light, our righteousness, our hope, and all our salvation. Now look there with me again at Romans chapter 13. And now here, let's look at verse 13. Beloved, let us walk honestly. And this is speaking about our daily conversation, our daily conduct. Let us walk honestly Honestly, decently, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, not in jealousy. And so let us walk honestly in the day. Let us live by faith, walking, talking, and conducting ourselves in an honorable and upright manner, bringing honor to the gospel that we believe. Let us not bring reproach upon the gospel by our sorry conduct or our sorry attitude, but rather let us honor God by believing God and demonstrating that the just shall live, not by sight, but by faith, beloved, by faith. In Second Corinthians, if you've returned there now, I trust you kept your place there. Second Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle says in verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. And then we read in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, We should walk in newness of life. And in Romans 8, and we made reference to this earlier, God's Word sets forth believers as those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Apostle also writes, indeed, God's own word declares in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, to you who believe, Beloved, walk in love, walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then in verse 8, he writes, and this is Ephesians 5, verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so, beloved, let us not walk in these six things mentioned here by the apostle. Let us not be about rioting, which is rebellion against God's designated authority. Let us not be about drunkenness. Let us not be about chambering, defiling our marriage bed in wantonness. Let us not conduct ourselves in strife and envying, which is jealousy. These are the deeds of the flesh. You see, my friend, all the flesh can produce, all the flesh can produce is rebellion against God and all these things that are mentioned here. And then we see the apostle concluding the chapter. Let's let's conclude our time together by looking at this last verse. This is Romans thirteen, verse fourteen. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Live under the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? By believing his word by trusting him that's how you live under the lord and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof beloved don't provide for the flesh to fulfill its sinful cravings avoid those situations which would cause us to put our sinful thoughts into action just flee from them and so beloved avoid all those things as it says in romans chapter 12 verse 21 be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. And the only good I know anything about is the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. We read there, and again, the Apostle Paul is writing to God's beloved people. Beloved, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, the, co- the conduct of the old man, that old sinful nature that we still have to deal with every day. That's why we have a warfare between the flesh and the spirit. That's all the... The sum in total of the conduct of that old man. It's just sin. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I love this verse. And that ye put on the new man, that divine nature which we are all made partakers of as believers. And so put on the new man, and and this is the part I love. (laughs) Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we had this portion read to us at the beginning, but I'd like to read it again. Not, not the whole portion, mind you, but what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. What a comfort to read what God's Word encourages God's people to do. In Christ. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage of the law. And then just after he writes in verse 13: Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only not only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so, beloved, as Paul writes in the concluding verse of Romans chapter 13, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, that's our desire, is it not? Even so, in our daily experience The reality is that we are still sinners, saved by God's undeserved grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Grace not of yourselves, salvation not of yourselves, and that that gift we, we receive in salvation. Saving faith to look to the Lord Jesus Christ for everything. a full and complete pardon of all our sins and a perfect righteousness acceptable to our Heavenly Father. The gift of God. Amen.